Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. As many of you know, it's been a hard week. Uh, we've encountered a loss at our church, a dear friend, a man of prayer, a man of faith, and a man of God. Uh, for you that don't know, uh, Wayne Schultz died on Tuesday in a car accident and Tuesday morning, and the funeral was actually here this afternoon at 3 o'clock. And it's one of those moments that no one's expecting, no one's ready for. And so this week, I've just kind of been walking through this week and praying with people and talking to different people. And so this morning, I just actually want to talk to you about lessons I've learned this week. It's just going to be very simple, but I believe honoring. This morning, the presence of God, the worship we had together, worshiping in his presence, nothing would bring more joy to Wayne than just being in God's presence. And so we honored him this morning by worshiping and stepping into God's presence. So the first lesson I learned this week, we don't know the time. We don't know the day. We can't understand it. We can't explain it. But Acts 1-7 says this. Jesus is talking. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. It's interesting, so many times when stuff happens, when you lose somebody you love, it's, it's to the good ones. It's hard to explain. And we always question, God, why, why, why that person? Why that person? And the more I kind of prepared and walked through this, the more I understood that maybe, maybe this person was ready, and some of us aren't. I know it doesn't bring peace, it doesn't bring the comfort, it doesn't make everything okay. But I can tell you this morning, I don't think Wayne would rather be in any other place. Matthew 24, 42 says this, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of a house had known what time and night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. See, this is what's made this week hard. And it doesn't make it easier when there's prep time, but many of us know that when there's prep time, you kind of prepare, you kind of have your heart knowing that a loved one might go to spend time with Jesus. It's in those moments where there's not prep time. There's an instant that it's shocking and you don't know how to respond. And We don't understand. But as I walk through this week, the biggest thing it reminded me of that none of us in this room, not one of us, is promised tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. You're not, none of us are promised that we'll go home today. And it was its eye-opener, this fresh revelation. Like, we read these scriptures. Many of you can quote these scriptures. But do we 
understand them. We understand them for possibly the non-believers. We understand them for the non-believers in do they know that it can happen any moment? And for non-believers in the room, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, there is no promise that you'll make it tomorrow. There is no promise that you can make this decision later. John Bevere tells the story of a young man when John Bevere was youth pastor and sitting in his office across from him, and he was trying to convince him to give his heart to the Lord. And the young man finally just got up and said, I have time, I'll do it another time, and walked out and got into, got on, a, I think it was a motorcycle, got in a vehicle and drove away and was in an accident and was killed. So we don't have tomorrow. You don't have later today. You have this moment. You have this morning. And that's it. This is all we are guaranteed at this moment is right now. Because in a second from now, we're not guaranteed. This is where we live. And so it affected many areas of our lives. It should anyway that none of us are promised. It makes me question is my heart right with the Lord? Is my heart right? The Bible tells me that if I do not forgive others, God cannot forgive me. So do I have unforgiveness in my heart? Is there somebody that I hold a grudge towards? Is there something that somebody has done that bugs me? And that I just need to extend forgiveness? Does my wife and my children know how much I love them? Do we tell the people in our lives how important they are? Think about it. Think about the disagreements you had this week. Think about how probably very little of importance they are. And does it matter? When it comes down to the end of it, does it matter? Do we tell those around us that we love them? Do we tell those around us how much we appreciate them? Revelations 3, 1 to 3 says this, To the angel of the church of Cyrus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what time I will come to you. What has God called you to? What has he asked you to do? Many of us, we know. Many of us, we used to know. And if he didn't say you were done, I can probably tell you you're supposed to still be doing it. I find it interesting in a verse it says, I found, he's talking to the church, I found your deeds unfinished. I never want to stand before the Lord and find out my deeds are unfinished. I want to work for the Lord. And it doesn't matter what job you have. When I say I want to work for the Lord, I'm not talking pastoring. I want to do what he's asked me to do. I want to cut my neighbor's grass. I want to shovel their driveway. I want to share Jesus with them. I want to do everything that he's asked me to do. What is he asking you to do? What has he not told you you're finished yet? If you're not sure what to do, find something. Because if you're here, you're still useful. If you're here, he's still got something for you. I remember so many Sunday mornings in the back 
Wayne just coming and praying for us. Powerful prayers. He knew, and he didn't stop. He just kept doing it. Second thing I learned this week is be in the Word. Be in the Word. I was talking to Janet. She told me how diligent Wayne was to be in the Word every morning. And when I watch Wayne live his life, I, I kind of joke and I say he lives his life like he golfed. It was straight down the middle every time. I almost laugh because I honestly believe even when he duffed a shot, which wasn't often, but when he duffed it, it still went straight. I golfed with him on uh, Saturday at Chesley Lake, and it was fun. We, we talked about so many different things, but one of the things he talked about was his life and what his disciplines were. And we'll get to disciplines in a little bit. But Wayne was 74 years old. He had a full head of hair. Man was in incredible shape. And he told me he would wake up and he would spend time with God, and then he'd be on his treadmill with weights. I don't do that. I'm on a treadmill with my weight, but not with weights. <laughs> An example in so many areas of our lives. So many areas. Be in the Word. Acts 17 says this in verse 11. Now the Brit- whatever Jews were a more common, more noble character than those in Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of the potential of prominent prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Today we have so much access to information. You can pull out your phone right now and Google anything you want. You'll get an answer. You can ask Siri and she'll tell you. But is it accurate? Do you actually check the source? I think it was two Sundays ago or last week, I was preaching in the first service, and my scripture reference was wrong. And I had a couple people come and tell me. And some of you might have been super nice and be like, oh, I don't want to point it out to them. Please let me know so I can correct it. But then I started wondering, how many people actually looked? See, I have the scriptures on the screen. How many of you actually turned in your Bibles? I'm not picking on you. But is there actually, it was there. Is there actually an Acts 17, verse 12? How often do we check? I listen to some ministers online and I have my... We all have our favorites. We all have the ones we listen to. And a lot of Monday mornings, you'll hear me listening to a couple in my office as I pull paperwork together and do some stuff. And how often do we check? See, I hear papers now. Like, did he? Is he lying to us? Did he actually? Is this a test? It's not a test. If it's not accurate, I actually don't even know. So tell me. <laughs> but how often? Like, you have had on your phone. This is how much we trust each other today, and that should be. We should trust. Don't let me wrong. But when you're in a church, when you're listening to somebody teach the Word of God, you have it on your phone that you can check to see the Scriptures. You can follow along in a heartbeat, in an instant. But do we know the Word of God? 
Do we know it? Do we take notes to understand what are we learning? What are we grasping? 2 Timothy 2, 15 says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who currently, or correctly, sorry, handles the word of truth. We can't handle the word of truth unless we're in it. We can't handle the word of God unless we know it. Now see, here's, here's the thing I used to always say, I'm not good at memorizing scripture. Now, I'm not going to get you to raise your hand, but I'm sure many of us had made this statement. Oh, I just, it's hard for me to memorize Scripture. But can I tell you something? I can probably still list off stats to you from Michael Jordan's career. I can still tell you statistics of Michael Jordan's career. I loved him as a player. I followed so closely. I read books on him. My son's middle name is Michael. It's not a coincidence. His first name would have been Jordan, but Melissa said no. <laughs> it's true. I thought naming him Michael Jordan McLaren looked bad, so maybe Jordan Michael McLaren wouldn't look so bad. Melissa said, that's not happening. And you know what? Good call. But we can memorize, but we memorize what's important. You want to know how I know this? we memorize what's important? Because before we had cell phones that you could program numbers into, every one of us memorized our girlfriend's phone number. And ladies, every one of you memorized your boyfriend's phone number. Because you didn't want to get it wrong. <laughs> there was no delete button. It was start over. For all the kids in the room, what, why is he doing this? You know little toy phone that you drag around with the wheels? Those were real. <laughs> Except they didn't drag around, they mounted to the wall. But we can't handle the word of truth if we don't know what it is. We need to be in the word. We need to be reading it, not just reading it, studying it. But Chad, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. It's right here. It's right here. Chad, I just want to know what God has for me. It's right here. It's why he left it for us. It wasn't, you know, eh, if you want to read it, give it a read. You'll figure it out anyway. No, no, no. Here it is. This is powerful. It's living. It's meant for us. Jesus himself said, man does not live on bread alone. He lives on the word of God. Do we consume it? Because we memorize what's important. 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17 says this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and many from the infant, and many, and how, sorry, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, it should always be done for ourselves first. 
We should always look for the scriptures to correct our own lives, not somebody else's. I don't know about you, but there's many times in my life, if I'm in a hard time, it's easy for me to quote scriptures to other people. Right? Like how many of us, when somebody comes to us, a friend, a Christian is in a hard time, and James tells us, consider it pure joy when we're in trials. And then when you're in a trial and somebody's like, Chad, James, quiet. I know what you're about to say. Don't even say it. Right? Like how many of us, how many of us, this is the way it happens, right? I find it interesting. I heard a story. Wayne was out golfing with somebody. A lot of stories with Wayne are golfing. And he was out golfing with somebody, and there's just the two of them, and so they got set up with another pair. And they went out, and they were playing the first nine holes, and the gentleman in the other group was, had a very foul mouth. And so he was just letting her fly. And Wayne just kept playing. And at the end of the nine holes, he just looked at the other couple and was like, we're going to grab a coffee and a sandwich. Why don't you guys play on through? And they went in, they grabbed a sandwich, they grabbed a coffee, they came back out, and they started playing their nine holes by themselves. Didn't correct them, didn't say anything to them. He just removed himself from the situation. He understood that we didn't hold other people up to this standard, that didn't accept it. I don't know about you, but the more I study this, the more I read this, there's so much in here that's hard to live up to, if we're honest. How, how can I look at my neighbors on either side of my house and say, hey, this is what the word of God says. If they say, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for it. When I, myself, have signed up for it, dedicate my life to it, and there's still so much in here that's hard. It's hard. He understood that. He understood that. And when, when you go to the visitation and you stand in line for hours, it lets you know how many people's lives he touched. Because he understood it. He understood how to love. He understood that the correction in the word of God was for him first. Matthew twenty two twenty nine 29 says, Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Knowing the scriptures, the great thing about it is it means we also know the promises. We know the promises which help us. We know the power of God which empowers us. By knowing the scriptures, we know who Jesus is. It gives us power to walk out our lives. So all the things I just talked about that were challenging and hard, he gives us the strength. But we know it because we know the promises. It's interesting. If you read the promises of God so many times, right at the end of the promise it says, but, and God just wants us to do something. And to get the promises, we have to do the but. To get the promises, we have to follow through on what he's asking us to do. But you don't know it unless you know the word of God. So I encourage you today, Start a reading, reading plan. If you don't have a reading plan that you do, start one today. Well, Chad, I'm not exactly sure. Pull out your phone. I'd even let you do it now. It's okay. Pull out your phone and go on to version, and just on the bottom it says plans. Click on it. The moment you read one, it says, would you like to set an alert? Yes. If you have a hard time doing, spending time with the Lord and doing devotions and walking with the Lord, program it into your phone. Set an alarm. 
Well, Chad, that sounds kind of weird that I have to put an appointment in my phone to spend time with God. Well, do you spend time with him now? If not, put it in and start spending time with him. After a while, you might not need it in there, but it's better to have it there than not have it at all. Do what you have to do. Do what you have to do to get into the word of God. The third thing I learned this week is not just read the word, but be doers of the word. Be doers of the word. James 1 says this, starting in verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Rid yourself of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you that can, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's great to read your word. It's great to listen to different uh, preachers preach. It's great to read different books. But can I tell you something? It's only a great message if it changes your life. It's only a great message if you do something with it. That's how we know it's a great message. That's how I know that you've read a book and you're like, oh, it's such a great book. How has it changed your life? I challenge you all the time. I encourage you all the time. In the next six months, where do you want to be? Who do you want to be in the next six months? My prayer is that I'm not the same person I am today. I'm thrilled that I'm not the same person today I was six months ago. If we're not trying to grow, if we're not trying to get closer to the, to the Lord, are we doers of the word? We're supposed to look after those in need. And don't be influenced by the world. We are supposed to influence the world. We are supposed to be salt and light to the world. We bring color to them. We bring flavor to them, as the Message Bible says. And we impact them in a different way. Fourth thing I learned. Pray. Pray. It's one thing that Wayne did, man. He prayed. He prayed. He covered every one of us in prayer. He would go through a list and pray. Matthew 6, verse 6 says this, but when you, go, when you pray, go into a room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And when then your Father, who sees what is done in the secret, will reward you. Do you realize it's our private prayer lives that bring change to our lives? When I stand up here and I pray in front of the church, that doesn't bring change to my life. It's my private time. 
It's a time I spend alone with the Lord. It's interesting, as you read through chapter 6 of Matthew, he talks about giving, he talks about prayer, and he talks about fasting. And in each one of those categories, this verse is repeated. Jesus says it in each one of them where he says, Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So when we pray, our private prayers, when we give to the Lord and we don't talk about it, and when we fast and nobody knows about it, those are the moments that God rewards us. In each category, when he talks about it, he says, if you tell somebody else, you've received your reward. And I don't know about you, but anybody in this room, all of us like encouragement, don't get me wrong. But nobody in this room can reward me the way the Lord can. And that's why I believe we're supposed to do things in private. Now, don't get me wrong. There is power. The Bible talks about us coming together in corporate prayer. There's times where that, there's times where we come together as a church family and we pray and we intercede. There's time where we raise extra money to give away. But God also wants privacy. What do you do in your quiet times? I truly believe who we are in our quiet times when nobody's around, that's who we are. I give all my leaders a book. It's by Bill Hybels. It's just simply called Who You Are When No One's Looking. That's who you are. We can all put on a front. Every one of us, if we've dated somebody other than our spouse, you know somebody can put on a front for a little while. Who you are when no one's looking. That's who we are. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is where Wayne would tell me about his discipline and his, the way he would work and the way he would read and study the word of God. It's interesting. This is where our strength comes from because the, if you're taking cleansing stream, one of our steps that we're doing right now, they actually just taught on it this week and this is what they said. Whatever you feed will grow. Are you feeding your spirit? Then your spirit will get stronger. It will grow. Are you feeding your flesh? Your flesh will get stronger. It will grow. What are you feeding? Your spirit? Are you spending time with the Lord? Mark 1.35 says, Every very early, sorry, Mark 1.35, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went out to a solitary place where he prayed. There is something about early mornings where we pray and prepare ourselves for the day. Jesus said he never did anything without seeing the Father do it. I believe these are the times where he would spend with God in the morning to find out what was supposed to be done that day. He would see the Father do it, and that's what he would do. Getting up early, there's something about preparing the day in prayer. Now, some of us will say we're not early risers. It's hard for us. I don't know about you, but if I have a tee-off time at 7, I'm there. If I have a ball game at 7, I'm there. We will get up early for what's important. I just challenge you. I just, that's just a challenging encouragement. Spend some time with the Lord. Get up early for the things that are important. The fifth thing I learned is be disciplined. Be disciplined. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, Do you not know... That in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will, will not last, 
but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Having a strong walk with the Lord takes discipline. Just like so many other things in our lives. If we're wondering, hey, how does that person just know the scriptures so well? It's probably because they study it. God didn't just, you know, drop the scriptures into their head and go there. I gave it to them, not you. Do you realize, I love sports, it's not a secret, but the difference between a professional athlete and an amateur athlete is usually 10 hours of practice, or sorry, 10,000 hours of practice. That's the difference. That's usually the difference. Read an article on Sidney Crosby. He was back home after winning the cup one time, and they interviewed some of the parents because every time he goes home, he still plays road hockey with his buddies. And so he had the Stanley Cup there. They played road hockey for the Stanley Cup. And Sidney Crosby played his normal position in road hockey, goalie. But they said this about Sidney. They said, not that he's a friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, said, um, every Saturday morning, their phone would ring between 6.30 and 7 a.m. How many people would kill the kid? Phone would ring. Hey, is, I forget his friend's names. Are they up? Sydney? it's 6.30 in the morning. They're sleeping. We'll get them to call you when they're up. Okay. He just wanted to play. He just wanted to go. Is there a drive in us this morning that makes us wake up and say, I just want to spend time with the Lord? I want, to make, I want to spend time with the Lord. Many of us, we want to have a deeper relationship with the Lord, and we pray about it. Just need to do it. Just need to do it. There's so many different things in our lives. You want to get better at something, you have to practice at it. You want to be deeper in your walk with the Lord, study the Word of God, spend time with Him. If I want to know Melissa even deeper and more, we just spend time together. We ask questions. We talk to each other. It's what we do with the Lord. Be disciplined. So many times we believe that when we pray and ask God for something, he's just going to give it to us. But here it says in verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Why will we train hard for other things? But when it comes to the Lord, we think it's your job. God, Lord, just... Just bless me. What if he's asking for more of us? Less of me, more of him. Pick up our cross daily and carry it. We talked about it. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. What we feed will grow. We do all these things. By doing these things then, what I learned was, the sixth thing I learned this week was, we have confidence where we will go. By doing all of these things, John 5, 24 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Jude 1, 24 says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to be able to present me with great joy. 
great joy. I don't want to just get in great joy. I want to be presented with. Acts 4, 11 and 12 says this, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When we give our lives to Jesus and live for him, when we are in the word and do what it says, when we pray and have discipline in our lives, then we will have confidence that we will be with Jesus in eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege and honor of knowing your son. Thank you for the privilege and honor of knowing this man of God. Father, so many things that he has poured into our lives and we've learned from, and Lord, we will hang on to those forever. Father, today there's many questions unanswered, but Lord, we trust you. Father, in this moment, we lift up Janet and the whole family to you. And we pray, Father, for strength. We pray for perseverance. Lord, I pray for sleep. Lord, I pray for an appetite. Lord, I pray for just an encouragement in you, Father God, to walk in strength. That, Father, I pray that as her family surrounds her, that, Lord, they are strengthened together. And, Father, as time goes on, that as Bethel, the family that we know we are, will come alongside and walk in such a strong way. That, Father, that is also a witness to their neighbors, not just the life they live, but, Father, the family they belong to. And so, Lord, we lift them up to you and we should get, pray for strength. Lord, I pray for that peace that passes all understanding, not just for them, but for everyone in this room. And, Lord, we just thank you for the time we had. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 